Hey, would you like to win a framework laptop? Well, if you have some wallpaper skills, then KDE would like to have a word with you. We've also got a lot of distro news this week from Debian, Open Mandriva, DevOne, and more. Plus, SUSE is being acquired. Again, the Fairphone is finally coming to the U.S. market, and Starlabs has announced a pretty compelling Linux-powered tablet. All of this and much more coming up on This Week in Linux, your source for Linux good news. This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linbit. More on them later. This week, we're going to be celebrating Debian Day, but more specifically, celebrating 30 years of Debian, because on August 16th, 1993, Debian was first announced. Now, Debian is one of the oldest still currently active distros for Linux. Slackware only beating it by a month. And it's also one of the most popular Linux distros, well, distro bases, thanks to the massive derivative community and especially thanks to Ubuntu. If you would like to learn more about Debian and maybe celebrate the 30 years of Debian with the Debian days, then check out the links in the show notes. Crossover 23 has been released this week, and this brings a lot of big upgrades. But first, what is Crossover? Well, Crossover is a commercial product based on top of Wine. It offers a lot of enhancements and compatibility improvements for a wide variety of Windows applications, including software like Microsoft Office 365. So what's new in Crossover 23? Well, it includes Wine 8.0.1 with over 5,000 improvements, and selected patches from recent wines with benefits to many popular applications. It also includes updates to Wine Mono 7.4, VKD3D 1.8, and DXVK 1.10.3. It also adds support for EA apps, and specifically EA games like The Sims 4, Titanfall 2, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and more. Also, there's been support added for Office 365 on Wayland, which is really cool. And you may be wondering, why would someone pay for Crossover when they could just use Wine? This is a great question, and I'm glad you asked. Crossover is made by Codeweavers, and they are not just a company that makes Crossover. Codeweaver is also a sponsor of Wine, and the main sponsor of Wine, the project itself. And they employ many of the Wine developers. In fact, the lead maintainer of Wine is part of Codeweavers. Codeweavers is also the people behind the development of Proton. Valve is the driving force behind Proton, as everyone knows, but the people who did a lot of the work and development, that's Codeweavers. So by buying Crossover, you're directly supporting Wine development and to some extent, Proton. Plus, you're also able to get customer support from Codeweavers. So it sounds like a really good deal to me. What's the price then? Well, it's actually very reasonable. It's only $74 per year, or you can buy a lifetime license for only $494. And the lifetime option gets updates, not just perpetual usage, it also gets updates. And I think it is certainly a good option, especially if you need to run Windows apps in a business environment and don't want to suffer through running Windows directly, plus the added benefit of supporting Wine and Proton. You know, that's nice. If you'd like to learn more about Crossover, you'll find links in the show notes. The KDE Plasma 6 Wallpaper Competition is on. And what does that mean? Well, you can create your own wallpapers and submit them to the competition to have the ability to win the default wallpaper for KDE Plasma 6. Oh yeah, and also a framework laptop. That's right, you can win a framework 13-inch laptop by winning this competition. In fact, this was actually donated by the framework company themselves for the competition, which is really cool. And I've seen wallpaper competitions 
over the years many, many times from many projects. And it's really nice to see that a prize like this is added and it's this cool of a prize. Well, well done there. So if you would like to participate, I'm gonna list a few of the rules and criteria, but if you want the full list, you can check the links in the show notes. So the wallpaper must be original and created specifically for this contest and released under the CC by SA 4.0 license, which means Creative Commons Share Alike license. So of course you can't use AI art. The minimum required size for the wallpaper is 3840 by 2160, though the preferred size is 5120 by 2880. And there's also some other stuff related to how many entries you can submit. It's up to three wallpapers. And there's also a, not necessarily required, but you have recommendations of creating a dark mode version of the wallpaper, a vertical version of the wallpaper, and you should be able to provide the source files used to create the wallpaper in a non-proprietary format like Inkscape SVGs or a blend or .kra or XCF or, or something like that. If you would like to submit your wallpaper to the competition, then you'll find the link in the show notes. Murina, the company behind the slash E slash mobile operating system, has made a pretty huge announcement for us Americans that we can now purchase a Fairphone 4 from their store with support for the USA market. For those mobile enthusiasts not in the USA, this might not seem like a big deal to you because the phone was already available for many people for a long time in many countries, but sadly the USA was left out. For those unfamiliar with the Fairphone, it is a really cool modular phone that lets you make repairs and upgrades with just a standard screwdriver. It has the highest iFixit score you can get, which is a 10 out of 10, and the slash E slash OS comes by default with the device, and that is a really exciting combination. I hope to try this device out soon, and if you'd like to learn more, you will find links in the show notes. By the way, I did stumble on the slash E slash OS because that's just hard to say. But anyway, links in the show notes. This episode of Twill is brought to you by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community as well because they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features to their products. Limbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms without vendor lock-in, which is really cool because no matter what your OS is and no matter what kind of hardware you want to use, including off-the-shelf hardware, you're good to go with DRBD and LinStore. And also with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit provides really awesome services like DRBD, and DRBD is a really good way to make sure you have good data recovery and backups. And if you ever have like a cluster with multiple nodes and one of those nodes fails, you can have rest assurance that the backup nodes will have the data that you want. So if you're interested in checking out any of the software from Linbit, I highly recommend it. So go to linbit.com to check it out. That's L-I-N-B-I-T.com. Are you a Linux user in the market for a tablet? And sure, Android is technically Linux, but maybe you want to run a real Linux distro on that tablet. 
Well, if that describes you, then I'm sure the new Starlight tablet from Star Labs is really going to pique your interest. This tablet comes with a 12.5 inch LED backlit 10 point touch display with IPS technology. It has 2880 by 1920 resolution at 2276 PPI. It has a 1.0 gigahertz quad core Intel Alder Lake N200, 512 gigabytes of PCIe SSD storage, 16 gigabytes of 4800 megahertz LPDDR5 onboard memory, plenty of connectivity options with USB-C, HDMI, headphone jack, micro SD, Bluetooth, and more. And they also say it has support for up to 12 hours of battery life. And you can configure this tablet to become with Ubuntu, Elementary OS, Linux Mint, Manjaro, Zorin, MX Linux, Ubuntu, Kubuntu, and many more. So this is really cool and it certainly has my attention. And if you'd like to learn more about this tablet, links in the show notes. SUSE announced this week that it will be acquired and turned into a private company again. SUSE has changed ownership a few times over the years. The first time the ownership was changed was when Novell acquired SUSE. Over the past decade, SUSE has changed hands between Attachmate, Microfocus, EQT Partners, and then it went public in 2021. Marcel Lux III Sorrel, I'm not sure if that's a person or a company. It seems like a person, but I, I don't know. The largest shareholder in SUSE is planning to take the company private and delist it from the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. Marcel currently owns 79% stake in SUSE, and those who would like to continue to be shareholders of SUSE can do so and under this private entity if they choose. SUSE also says that SUSE's management board and supervisory board support the strategic opportunity from delisting of the company as it will allow SUSE to focus fully on its operational priorities and execution of its long-term strategies. Yes, that sounds like corporate speak for sure. <laughs> the timing of this announcement is very interesting. How does this affect the open LA that we talked about last week? How does this affect the $10 million investment announcement that SUSE made for making rail clones? Will this take SUSE into new exciting directions? Is this in response to all of the enterprise Linux drama that's happening? The answer to all of these questions is we'll wait and see. But in the meantime, this news broke while we were recording the latest episode of Destination Linux, and if you are curious for my opinion on this topic and the open ELA, then check out the next episode of Destination Linux that is coming soon. So there's plenty of more content to check out, so if you'd like to do so, link in the show notes. Open Mandriva 23.08 has been released. And for those unfamiliar, Open Mandriva is an independent distro and it's the successor to the Mandriva slash Mandrake distributions. Mandrake was a once beloved distribution many years ago, but unfortunately it was a bit ahead of its time and eventually shut down. From there, Mandriva was made from the merging of Mandrake and Connectiva and later became what is now Open Mandriva. There's a lot more to the story, but there's not really time to go into it much more. So if you'd like to know more about it, leave a comment in this episode and we'll see. Now this latest version of OpenMandriva is powered by the latest Linux 6.4 kernel, the latest Mesa, which is 23.2 open source graphics stack. And developers have noted that this kernel comes with HT slash SMT nice enabled by default for better responsiveness and real-time behavior on PCs with HT or hyper-threading, which improves the performance for foreground applications at the expense of background applications, which kind of makes sense if they're in the background, they don't need as much performance 
and it has multiple editions. The flagship edition is the KDE Plasma one, which comes with 5.27.7 release. And it also has two other ones, the GNOME version and the LXQt version. Now you can choose to use a rolling release, which is called Rome, or the Rock release, which is the stable version. And they say for the Rock release that it's best for businesses, servers, and users that don't like change. If you'd like to learn more or check out the latest release of Omandriva, link in the show notes. DevOne 5.0 has been released. DevOne is a Linux distribution that was forked from Debian in 2015. The reason for the forking was to provide a version of Debian without systemd. Instead, you can choose from sysvnit, runit, or openrc. Why would you want to use those over systemd? Well, that's a very long debate and discussion, and we'll do that another time. DevOne 5.0 is based on Debian 12, so it shares a lot of things such as the Linux kernel 6.1, but it also has some more specific stuff that isn't like for improvements to Wayland and other things. I also want to point out that the code name was Dataless, and I'm not really sure what that is based on, but I like to think it's a Stargate reference, and uh, if not, I'll pretend it is anyway. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of DevOne, you can check out links in the show notes. A new version of GPotter has been released this week, and this is the open source podcast client. And with this latest release, you get an option to show episode release time in the released column, and also the option to always show release time in the episode show notes. You might be wondering why you would need the time, not just the date. Well, it would be helpful for those podcasts that do multiple releases on a single day. I don't know why a podcast would do that, but it does happen sometimes. Now, for those who don't know, I have another podcast that's called Destination Linux, which will be a great use of GPotter. So just, you know, there you go. Link in the show notes for Destination Linux. Also, if you'd like to learn more about GPotter and try it out for yourself, whether you want to use the regular packages or the FlatHub, you can check out the links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show and want to be kept up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, then be sure to subscribe and of course, remember to like that smash button. If you'd like to support the show and the Tux Digital Network, then consider becoming a patron by going to tuxdigital.com membership, where you can get a bunch of cool perks like access to patron-only sections of our Discord server and much much more. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt at tuxdigital.com slash store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other cool stuff we have like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and more at tuxdigital.com slash store. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tanell, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your source for Linux. Good news.